Um, we and I said we are in a series in Ruth, and we started last week. It's four chapters. We're going to look at a chapter each week, and we're looking at this story. And last week, if you were here, the emphasis was really on kind of how she was just a regular person. She was just a very ordinary, relatable person. And I was thinking about this this week. I was just like, I'm a, I'm a super movie person. I really like movies. If it's, if it's a movie, I've probably seen it, especially if it's hype. If people are hyping movies, I'm in. It's, it's working on me, and I'm going. Like, I, I'm big into this. And I like to think about different things. And I'm really like, just, just take one, like, like superhero movies, right? I, I, love, I love all of them. And, and, you, and it's interesting to me, like, which ones are popular? Which, which movies do really well? And it's interesting that no, you can't really make a movie about Superman anymore that people want to see. And I think it's because he's not relatable. He's an alien. He's always, like, perfect. He's like, he's like this perfect person with just unrelatable superpowers. And so he's kind of faded in the last, you know, 30, 30 years or so. But Batman's always been really popular and even getting more popular because he's angry. And you're like, man, I get, I get it. I, 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 if I had a billion dollars, I, and I, 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 was, I would do that. I'm that angry. And I think there's, there's a relatable piece to him, even though he's a billionaire. Tony Stark, Iron Man, the same way. He's a billionaire, but, like, he's a mess. Guess who's also a mess? Me. I'm a mess. But, like, a lot of your most popular ones are, like, ordinary people that something really weird happens to them. And now you've got this regular person with some sort of extraordinary ability, and they're out there doing good things. And you find yourself just kind of connecting with that. And honestly, most shows are like, most of your romantic comedies are this way, where it's like you find yourself really connecting. This just seems like a normal person. She's, she's a little bit prettier than me. He's a little bit more handsome than me. But they're kind of in, in a situation that I'm in, like the super beautiful, super unrelatable. Let's, that's something, I'm looking for somebody that I, I can feel like that's kind of like, like me. That's like, that's like me. But the problem is we get to the Bible and we start telling Bible stories. And something about being in a story in Bible land. Now I'm in Bible land and I don't, I don't feel like that these people have anything to do with me anymore. And there's, there's, there's feels, there feels like there's a huge gap. And I think it's important for us when we're, when we're looking at these stories to say, I, I, think, I think I see me here. This could be me. And that's the interesting thing about the story about Ruth. And there really isn't anything that you can look at that she did that was like extraordinary. Like it would take someone with some super influence, super powerful, anything. What she did was, is that she just... She just did the right thing. And the way that we described it last week, what she did was, is that Ruth trusted God and loved well. She, she, the story starts with this family from Israel going to Moab during a famine. And the two sons marry Moabite women. But while they're there, the dad dies, and then the two sons die. And now it's just the mother-in-law and the two daughters who are foreigners. We talked a little about the intricacies of that and just kind of how they would have been a little bit outcast. And now the, the, the mother-in-law, I'm just going to go back home. And you girls, you should just stay here, reconnect with your families, find a new husband. You shouldn't come back with me. And one of them does, but Ruth says, how can I leave you? I love you. I care for you. I don't think God would approve of me if I did this. And, and basically made this oath that says, I'm going to be with you. Like that, Only death is going to be able to separate me from you. 
wherever it is you go, whatever it is you do, I'm with you. And the, and the thing that's going to make her, that made her a hero in the story began with one simple decision to say, I'm not going to abandon my mother-in-law. I'm going, to, I'm going to love her well. And I'm going to trust God to take care of the details about this that might make it difficult or uncomfortable for me in some way. And so she trusted God and she loved, she loved well. She just loved well. And I said this last week, I kind of undermined it a little bit by saying, man, she doesn't really do anything that big a deal. All she ever does is she, you know, she chooses to follow her mother-in-law. This week we're going to see that she gathers some food. She gathers some food and then she's going to flirt with this dude. And we're going to see that next week. And I kind of I minimize it. Like, but I don't want to minimize the significance of what she did, even though those three things, flirting, gathering food, and staying with your mother-in-law aren't big things. I, I, want, I want you to feel like those are all things we could do. But there is something extraordinary about it. And so when we think about her, and we think about this story, what I want you to think about is this is just an ordinary person with extraordinary character who made the right decision when it mattered, never found themselves in some huge difficult thing where it's like only a very few people would do it, but just when it mattered, she did the right thing. So we're going to pick up the story here in Ruth chapter 2, starting in verse 2. So Ruth and her mother-in-law Naomi are back in Israel. In verse 2, chapter 2, we got here. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. So real quick here. Says that they so, so what she had to do is like we got to get we got we got to figure out a way to eat. So they, they don't have jobs. They can't get jobs. They're widows in this culture, and they they can't really own property, and so they're kind of they're they're kind of stuck. And so the really the only options they have is to go out into fields where other people are gathering and walk behind the gatherers and pick up the things that are left over. And it was tradition. It was custom to allow widows to be able to do that. And so Ruth again showing great character, takes the initiative with her mother-in-law and says, I need to do this for us. And so she goes and it says that she finds herself in the field of someone named Boaz and he's described as from the clan of Elimelech. And that is her father-in-law. And so it's a real interesting thing here that it's kind of this little thing. She just happened to end up in the field of her dead father-in-law's cousin. Someone who was a family member. She didn't do this on purpose. It just happened. One of those God coincidences happens to her where she ends up in this field gathering from a family member. Verse 5. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvester, who does that young woman belong to? So there's a, we're going to see a little bit more. There's a little bit of foreshadowing here. Boaz shows up now. Who's she? Whatever it is about her, he is, she is drawing his eye. Verse 6, the overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now. 
except for a short rest in the shelter. So the harvesters are describing her, say, listen, she came out here first thing in the morning, and she's been working nonstop, except she took one very, very small break. And at the end of the day, verse 17, it's described this way. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. So essentially what she does, it says here, all day, from the morning all the way till night, she gathered barley. And then she, uh, she threshed it and basically determined it where she could make bread out of it. And in the end, she did all this work, and she's got about 30 pounds, essentially, of flour here. Now she can, she can, she can make bread. She worked nonstop all day long, ultimately carrying around giant bags of barley, and then it was this 30-pound bag, and she is working all day in the heat. And what I would imagine is also kind of a little bit embarrassing, you know, to just to, to be in this situation where the only thing I do, all I can do is like there's the, there's the professional harvesters, and then there's the women who walk behind them to gather food, gather leftovers, Again, for the main man who owns it. And then me, I'm just sitting around here looking for scraps. But I'm going to do this all day long so that I can provide for me and for my mother-in-law. So again, the simplicity of what she's done is still there. All she's done is choose to be with her mother-in-law and to gather food. But the power and the impact and the importance of it, the significance of it, the hard work of it, I think needs to be evident, and we'll just say it this way. She's being faithful, but faithfulness is very often hard work. It may not be some epic, monumental, life-changing decision, but the decision that she has to make in order to do the right thing, it costs her something, and it has great significance to it. It is a big deal to be out in the sun in the Middle East for 12 hours gathering barley. It's a, it's a big deal. And let me tell you, I'll give you a little hint about how the story's going to go. It's not going to end up where, <coughs> and God turned this thing of flour into um, a magic bowl of flour, and she never had to go out there and do this again. There is a story in the Bible where God does things like that, but her story is when they run out, she has to go do it again. And then a couple of days later, she has to do it again. And we don't know for how long she's having to do this before the story changes. But we get the impression that it is a fairly significant amount of time where she's having to make it a regular part of her routine to go out sunrise to sunset in the heat gathering food so that she and her mother-in-law can have food. And it is not easy. It's not easy to do the right thing. Faithfulness requires a lot of work. And sometimes it can feel a little bit a little bit rewardless. But if we do the right thing, like this is what God has called us to, and this is the thing that every one of us can do. You may not feel like you're ever going to change the world or you're going to go to the other side of the world and make a do that. I'm not ever going to be a preacher. I'm not going to be a missionary or these big things, these things that people that God's people do. All I'm really doing, I'm just, I'm just trying to live my life. And what we have here is a hero, Ruth, who becomes the hero of a story, not because she did anything big on scale, 
but because every day she chose to make the right decision and to be faithful to honor God and to love her mother-in-law well. And as I've been thinking about this, I've actually been thinking about some of you. I think about some of you who I'm sure would be more than happy to just have to come to church for one service. But instead, you come to two services so that in one service, I you know I set the alarm so I can come here. And for an hour, I can be with the two-year-olds or the four-year-olds or the elementary kids. And I, and I love them. And sometimes it's chaotic. Sometimes it's crazy. Sometimes I feel like I told a story and no one was listening. And, and, I, and I, all that really happened today is I got, I got I, one of them hit me in the head. Like, that's all I I did, like, before when Heidi and I first got married, before we were on staff with any church, we did six years in the three-year-old, in the three-year-old class. So I know, what it's, I know what the grind is like every week to get up, and then you spend an hour with three-year-olds. And, like, I'm supposed to communicate this story to three-year-olds. It didn't work. And there was a Sunday. It was like, the, like, like a Sunday where this kid bit me. And when I say he bit me, I mean broke skin, bit me, bleeding. And I'm just like, what on earth? And, and, and you know, it's like, I mean, we say, hey, you should join the kids. I, mean, I'm not, I don't ever want to say, come back with the kids. It's no big deal. No, it's a big deal. They're kids. And some of you are thinking, I got one. I don't need 15, right? But let me tell you, when you make that decision to say that I'm going to every week invest, you see it. You see the importance of it. And even if you don't see it right away, I've had the priv- I have the privilege of being old. And so we moved up here. And by just kind of one of those God things, a lot of those kids that were in my three-year-old class started showing up here at our church as college students, which makes you feel old. I even had the, I even had the privilege of performing a marriage ceremony for one of them. And now she's got a kid that's in a three-year-old class. And it's like you just see, it's like investment, it pays off. Doing the little thing Every day, it pays off. And we've got some awesome moms. I've been thinking about some of our awesome moms here. Some of our awesome moms here um, that have some, some, some special needs kids, some of them special needs that they've adopted. And sometimes it is just difficult every day. Every day. Just like, what did you accomplish today? And it feels like all I did was just, he, he, didn't, he didn't hurt himself today. And, you know, I, I kept him alive. I kept, I kept, I like, and it, and it can feel stressful, and it can be difficult. It can be hard work to make the decision to do the right thing every day. When you find yourself in a relationship with a spouse or a family member that just doesn't seem to be working, and, and, and you're like, I've got to love them. I've got to continue to do the right thing. You've got a job that you don't necessarily love, but you've got to provide. I, 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 need, I need to do the right thing. Or maybe there's something that God is putting in your mind, in your brain, about how you can make a difference where you work or in your neighborhood or in, where you go to school. And I need to reach out to people around me. Maybe you find yourselves in situations that I find myself in all the time. I, I, I think I've said this before. I think, I think when I'm sitting by myself, in a restaurant, like like working like at a table, I think I'm giving off a look that says, don't ever talk to me. But apparently whatever my face says is, there's someone I want to have a conversation with. This Just this morning at McDonald's, I'm having a conversation. It's like, hey, did you go to that game yesterday? And I'm like, like I, seriously, my first look was like, 
nope, me. But I'm in there having this conversation with this really nice lady. I mean, and again, she just wanted somebody to love and have a conversation with. And so, and so I did. And we find ourselves in, this, in these situations at work, in our neighborhood, with random strangers apparently, where people just want somebody to talk to. They need someone to show them just a bit of love, a bit of kindness. This is what Ruth does. She makes a decision in her day-to-day life to trust God and love God. And what happens? Verse 8, Ruth chapter 2. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the woman who worked for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow, follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. Come on now. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I don't know what you think about foreshadowing and where you think this story is going, but man, come, I mean, he's, this, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's actually going to get a little saucy next week, so just get ready. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave order to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her, even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So he comes to her, he notices her, and he says, hey, I, I, I want you to, don't go anywhere else, come here, and I'm going to make sure that you have plenty any time that you're here. And he tells his people, hey, make sure that she's fine. She, 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 she needs, whatever she needs, we're going to make sure that she has it. And she asks him, like, why? Why? Why are you being, why are you showing me so much kindness? I'm a Moabite. I know you guys don't like Moabites. I know there's a, there's a problem here. Why, why would you do this? He says, I, I, I saw what you did. I saw what you did for your mother-in-law. And, 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 and basically, I, I'm incredibly impressed. And as this story unfolds, a little again, a little bit, just kind of a little bit of spoiler here for you, we're going to see Boaz kind of emerge in this story as a figure very similar to Jesus. As, as, as basically a savior figure, we're gonna, as the story is going to kind of shift next week and we learn more about Boaz and his role and what he's going to do. We're going we're gonna to see kind of some, pre, some of these same themes that ultimately we're going to see in Jesus of him just kind of being a savior. So in this story, really, in the, in the narrative of the story, again, he's just a dude, but in the narrative of the story, he really does kind of represent this kind of savior figure. And so what I think it's important for us to hear, what it's important for us to see, is that this faithfulness that Ruth has, it's often hard work, but here's the deal. But God shows up. But God shows up. God shows up. She, it just so happened that she ended up in this field. No, God, God did this. And God put it on Boaz's heart. 
This is God saying, I am going to honor your faithfulness. God saw her, what she was doing, saw her sacrifice and said, I see. I see what you're doing. I see you. And I'm going to be present with you. And I want you to know the situation that you find yourself in with a kid that is just going through a hard time. A a marriage relationship, an extended family relationship that's not working. A difficult time financially. A difficult time just in my own life. That when you make the decision each and every day to be faithful to be the person that God has called you to, God sees and he shows up. It may not be when we think. It may not even be how we think. Again, she had to keep coming and gathering all day. But God showed up and made it just a little bit easier. But he's going to keep showing up. And we're going to see more and more of God returning Ruth's faithfulness for his faithfulness. And I want you to feel that. When you make a decision on weird sleep day to still come to church and say, I want to hear from God's word. I want to worship. I want to connect. That faithfulness to make that decision, God shows up. I don't know if I want I don't know if I want to be in a small group, but I know I'm supposed to, and something's kind of weird, making new friends. But God's gonna show up. When you make a decision, I'm gonna invest in the lives of the kids in my church. God shows up. When in every area of your life. When you do the right thing and you are faithful to be who God has called you to be, God shows up. When you, like Ruth, are an ordinary person, but with extraordinary character, you get to see the hand of God move. And the, and the thing that I would also maybe would add to this is that even though kind of Boaz, what I said about Boaz, kind of the thing that he fits in this narrative, he also was just a person who saw the faithfulness of Ruth and wanted to reward her. I saw you. I heard about what you did. And I think this is a role that this community needs to play for one another. I I see you, Mom, for the kid that's giving you a hard time. And I see your faithfulness, and I'm proud of you. I see you marriage that's struggling, but you're doing the work that you need to do to to, to really stay and come together in unity. I see you. God sees, and we need to see. And we need to believe that the faithfulness of what it is that God has called us to do, to connect with one another, to worship together, to serve our community, to serve the hurting, to serve the helpless, to to draw people to him, to be a light and life and a hope to this world. When that faithfulness, God will see it. And his faithfulness comes behind that, both in this life and in the next. That the faithfulness that we show, to show extraordinary character in ordinary situations, makes a huge impact. She is about to be, again, this story, is we're going to keep unpacking and unfolding the story. She's going to be a hero in God's big picture narrative for being someone who every day 
woke up and you just made the right choice. And again, we need to see ourselves in Christ. And I think about my life and what it is that God has called me to do. I'm going to wake up each day and be faithful to be who God has called me to. To trust Him, to love well, and to draw people to Him through my through the decisions and the faithfulness and the character that I have. And God's going to show up in ways that are indescribable. Let me pray.